Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, and welcome to Real Presence Live. I'm Teresa Curley, and I'm here with Dylan Reinhardt at the Newman Center in Brookings, South Dakota. Good morning, everybody. Hopefully everybody's having a good Friday morning and a good start to your Lent season. Um, it's good to be here with you guys again this month, and it's good to be here um, yeah, just glorifying God with all of the stories and all of the testimonies of people in their encounter with Christ, college, campus, and elsewhere. So it's good to be here again. Absolutely. Well, Dylan, could you just start us off with a prayer? Yes, absolutely. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit and just stir up in our hearts the graces of our baptism, especially as we start to venture out into the desert and we, Lord, just look forward to, yeah, your sacrifice on the cross, Lord, your sacrifice for us, your life, your death, and your resurrection. Lord, I ask that you would just form in our hearts our true identity in you. Lord, as we enter into this Lenten season even deeper, as we venture further and further into the desert, that you would... Just enkindle that fire of love, that fire of your spirit in our hearts, Lord, um, to not be afraid of prayer, to not be afraid of fasting, to not be afraid of temptation. Uh, Lord, for everyone listening today, I ask that you would just, yeah, pour down your grace into their hearts, Lord, that you would make all of our hearts receptive to your Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us eyes to see and give us hearts to love. Uh, Lord, I ask that you'd be with everybody that's going to be on the radio today and that you would let it be your words that are spoken and Lord, that you would help us to move with you and to ride the wave of your Holy Spirit. And we ask this all in your most holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, we have a great show lined up for today. Um, first, we're going to talk about a young couple who's engaged and just like their journey of mission awesome. and what the role of Catholic dating is mm. in their lives. So, good morning. Thanks for joining us, Charles. Thank you. All right. Um, is Genesis with you this morning? Okay, she'll be joining us in a bit. But to start off, Charles, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. Uh, my name is Charles Tibbetts. I was born and raised in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, so, homebred here. Um, and, yeah, so I, I currently do... Um, Construction. So I work for a uh, company doing cabinet refurbishment. Awesome. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, you're engaged, is that correct? I am, yes. Currently engaged. Our uh, wedding is on May 13th, so Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. Ooh, that's, that's awesome. Can't Let's beat go. That. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's cool. Yeah, it's Friday the 13th, but, you know, I thought Our Lady of Fatima kind of trumps that. So. Mm, mm. Amen. <laughs> I love it, man. That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Well, yes. Yes. 
We're still waiting for Genesis to join on the line, but could you just tell us a little bit about like your background before you got started in construction? Like, what was your life like? Um, a little bit of, about your mission work and what Catholicism means to you. So, um, I was a missionary for a few summers, actually, uh, starting off with uh, doing totus tuus in the diocese. Um, so I did a few summers of that, and that kind of started off my um, life doing missionary work. And then uh, a few years down the line, I was I was just working and doing a bunch of different things, and I kind of felt a draw again to work for this church, looking into what... Um, I thought the Lord might want me to do, and I realized, hey, you know what, uh, missionary work would probably be pretty good. I've done a couple summers of that, so I started looking into, like, every missionary organization I could think of, uh, NET and Focus and all of those um, organizations, and I came across the Culture Project because I actually found uh, some friends of mine or acquaintances of mine that I had met who were missionaries prior to, and I had heard them speak, and I was like, oh, I forget what organization they're with, I'll, I'll look it up, and I found them, and I applied, I went to an interview weekend, um, after a long process, realizing, well, this is exactly where my heart is, it's, you know, mm. speaking to people and giving presentations on human dignity and just mm. the way that we should treat each other and talking about chastity with young people and how to live that out. It's an awesome experience, and it's, yeah, so it was just something that my heart was really drawn to, and so I just went forward with the process, and there was a lot of peace there, so I just kept going. That's awesome. That's really cool. What is the Culture Project? Yeah, so we are, um, are a missionary organization, so... What we do with that is um, we will go into church schools, youth groups, and we would give presentations to uh, typically sixth grade and up. Mm. Um, and we would just we would talk. We had several different presentations. So human dignity was one of them. Just sharing, you know, that we are all endowed with uh, dignity just because we're human. Um, mm. And then we would talk about sexual integrity and just how to live out chastity. We would talk about how to use social media in a good way, because it's so prevalent in our society, and just how we can use it. So and we had a lot of different amazing ministries that we spoke to. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing, Charles. Wow. There's such a need yeah. in the church for that right now. But um, mm -hmm. if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Charles Tibbetts and his fiance Genesis, who just joined us. So good morning, Genesis. Hi, good morning. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for coming on with us today. Of course. Glad to be on here. Charles has just been telling us a little bit about the Culture Project and his work with that. Yeah. Um, would you mind telling mm -hmm. our listeners a little bit about yourself and what led you to the Culture Project? Yeah, so um, my name is Genesis Gutierrez. Um, I'm originally from Florida. Um, really what led me to the Culture Project um, was just that ultimately there was such a richness and beauty and giving of yourself, specifically a year of your life, to serving um, young people. Um, and really what drew me was um, that we were providing youth a message that I so deeply craved as a young person. 
I desired to be um, being known and loved, and I desired to know that my identity isn't what I do. Um, it's being in the son or daughter of God, but also that um, living out chastity is truly leads to um, uh, freedom and a happiness that the world can provide. And so that's what ultimately led me to leave my full-time job to pursue doing ministry with the Coach Project for two years. Mm, that's awesome. That takes a lot of courage to just, like, up and quit your job and not oh, yeah. even know where it's going to lead. <laughs> truly, truly. Yeah. So is it through the Culture Project that the two of you met and started courting? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, we met. Uh, we are on separate teams, but we do all of our training together. Um, so we met through our training process, um, met there, uh, and... We became friends, and I actually reached out to her because she was planning to leave the mission, and I reached out to her, uh, mm-hmm. asked her to stay on a second year. Just, you know, I felt like the Lord wasn't yeah. done with her, and apparently I wasn't either. Um, <laughs> as, we became, as we became friends uh, throughout the next year, um, I realized I wanted to ask her out, but I was on a dating fast, mm. so I couldn't, um, <laughs> and... Yes, she was kind of on a dating press too because she liked me and didn't want uh, didn't want to do anyone but me. So she just <laughs> had a dating press, I guess. So um, yeah, I waited two hours after my dating press to ask her out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, what I'd really like to talk with you guys about today is just mm-hmm. how how your experience as missionaries promote promoting chastity and healthy relationships. Like, how has that affected your relationship, both when you were dating and now moving forward into your vocation? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, because I think for us, given that we had such a good, solid background of um, what living out chastity was like, um, how to uphold the dignity of the human person through the mission work that we did, it really provided, like, a solid foundation for um, intentionally dating each other um, and being honest about um, things that maybe other couples don't usually talk about. So Mm. from the get-go, we were honest about boundaries that we had to set up to uphold um, the gift of the other person, but also to reverence and love the other person appropriately. So then when we had like hard conversations about the ways that either of us would be tempted um, and just about the ways that we can um, maybe reverence that and be mindful of the open conversations that we had. So I think for us, it just really laid the framework of uh, a really good and open relationship with communication, but also with the spirituality of um, being there and supportive for each other in the ways that we need to, especially when upholding the gift and virtue of chastity. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What a unique and, like, special way just to, like, pre- prepare yourself for this, Truly. you know? So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break in just a couple minutes here. But um, I guess, like, just practically speaking, like, what's one thing um, that you've learned from your training as a missionary? Just, I don't know, just how to interact with people mm. in general, like, and build that sort of teamwork to go into a marriage. Mm. I would say, uh, yeah, like Genesis said, communication is definitely something that uh, 
was learned uh living on team with other people definitely helped with that just to like realize that you have to you have to be the one to bring up a hard conversation uh it's not just going to come up naturally not just something that's like oh all of a sudden we're talking about boundaries it's it's something that you have to intentionally uh seek out Mm. wow yeah communication is the hard one (laughs) for a lot of people i think Mm -hmm. truly that's so cool yeah yeah, definitely. And I would also have to, like, add on, like, when it comes to, I guess, um, like, best tips and living it out and also just implementing it in a relationship is just, like, first and foremost, obviously, communication, but, like, vulnerability. Because when you enter into someone's um, life, you know, everyone has their own journey with chastity, whether they struggle with it from, you know, their whole young you know, adolescent life or whether it's something they're continuously struggling with and takes vulnerability to receive the other person and their story and their wounds um, and to reverence that and to, you know, call them on to say, like, we can live out chastity together and we'll keep each other accountable. Mm. Wow. Super beautiful. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Charles and Genesis, who are former missionaries with the Culture Project and Engaged to be Married. And they're just kind of telling us a little bit about their story and how their experience as missionaries is leading them to their vocation. So hang with us. There's more over the break, after the break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. 
You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Teresa Curley. And I'm Dylan Reinhardt. And we're broadcasting live from the Pius Twelfth Newman Center in Brookings, South Dakota. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming back with us after this break. We've been talking to Charles and Genesis about their time with the Culture Project as missionaries and talking about how that has prepared them to be married. They're engaged right now currently, so welcome back, Charles and Genesis. Um, We were talking about a little bit before about how your time with the Culture Project was helping you form relationships with people, not only with each other, but with other people and teaching other people how to have relationships with one another. Um, And over the break, we were talking a little bit about how you know like teaching young adolescent kids especially how to have relationship how to have conversation is just so instrumental in their young adolescent years um i just want to know what your guys's experience been working with the younger yeah the younger generation and teaching them how to build relationships what are some roadblocks some obstacles and some fruits that you've seen from those conversations in that time yeah That's a good question. I feel like um, what I've seen, at least, is just that with the younger generation, and it, you know, it's continually quickly evolving and changing, so um, you always got to stay abreast to, like, what's going on, but I just Mm. noticed there's a lot of turning inward on oneself and not looking outward to see how others are affected or um, how maybe their actions affect other people, Mm. Um, and so I've found that, like, what's been most... um, uh, successful whenever I've had encounters with young people, whether sixth, seventh, or high school, is just leading with vulnerability because um, I think as a human being, you really honor or respect um, mm. someone sharing themselves, especially if it's something that's difficult, um, because you kind of let them know that I'm not here to um, wrestle any feathers, the one that, like, I'm leading with, um, you know, showing myself and whatnot. And I I desire to have a relationship with you. So, mm. but also just relating in the little things that you know about them, whether it's pop culture, whether it's relating to, like, yeah, I know what it feels like to feel X, Y, and Z, or even just things that the human heart um, experiences, like whether feeling left, um, left alone, or feeling alone, feeling unloved, feeling unseen mm. at school, you know, and relating to young people like that to say that you know our hearts are not made for that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really well put. I really, really appreciate that answer. That's really cool to hear that. Just like I was talking to actually yesterday, one of the students here at SDSU or student that graduated who is Mm -hmm. talking about his younger siblings in high school right now and how like it's just hard for them to find productive, like hangout time Mm -hmm. outside of school and they come home and they're just kind of by themselves because all of their friends are doing things that just aren't life-giving, you know, spending hours playing video games or vaping and drinking and stuff. And it's just like, yeah being able to choose virtue in that can be kind of isolating at times too, which is, which is interesting. So, um, question going on the road of like chastity and integration of chastity and dating relationships. Um, first and foremost, like chastity can be kind of a buzzword inside of the Catholic community. I think, you know, everybody talks about it, but we don't really know what it actually means (laughs) a lot of the time. So first, like what would your guys' definition be of chastity in correlation to the church and why that is important with a dating relationship, especially pursuing virtue. So what is chastity and why it's important? 
Right. I think that um, when it comes to chastity, like finding out what it is, you have to first kind of almost define what it's not. Mm. Um, because it is a buzzword, you know, it's like one of those things that people kind of get on edge when they hear the word chastity because yep. most of the time people affiliate, you know, the word chastity with the word abstinence, you know, mm. and like they just think that it's like means absolutely no sex because sex is bad. Mm. But it's absolutely not bad. It's the exact opposite of bad. It's, it's saying that you're you're not having sex before marriage because everything has a time and a place and everything has a, a reason that it needs to be used. And so it's, it's saying that you're going to save sex and all sexually intimate acts for marriage because mm. of how beautiful sex is, not because sex is a thing or some sort of taboo thing. It, mm. it needs to be talked about because it is so beautiful and because it is such a gift. You know, not only a gift from God, but a gift that uh, spouses can give to each other. Mm. And so Amen. it's something that, that can be used in a, in a very beautiful way to show love for one another. And to be used outside of that is, you know, almost using your iPhone as a hammer. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's going to cause damage and it's going to, it's not what it's intended for, you know, so. Right. Yeah, and I believe your second question was in regards to um, why it's important to live out chastity in dating. Was that correct? Yes. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it's imperative because it, that truly determines the course of your relationship and whether you're going to allow your relationship to be a relationship of just physical intimacy that covers the true intimacy that can be had through spirituality, through, um, you know... Um, conversations through, you know, being intellectually intimate or whatnot, you know, but it also can really cover up the beauty of um, recognizing whether someone is truly right for you or not, because we recognize that when someone engages in sex, there's actually different hormones, excuse me, Mm. that make it, that allow you to attach onto the person in a very unique and intimate way. And so that attachment, you know, that oxytocin that you receive can mm. kind of impair your judgment as to whether or not this person is uh, meant to be your future spouse. And really, like, at least from what I've seen when it comes to dating and engagement with Charles, is just that it's truly allowed us to get to know the other person in a very intimate way, um, even in the ways that we've come to mess up and we continue to say, we'll do better, mm. we're going to be better, and we're going to go to confession together. And it opens up the the conversation to be much more deep than to just rely on the physical um, aspect of a relationship that often, um, if, you know, you continue on in a, a physical relationship solely with another person, you don't really get to know the gift of the other person, which truly you're robbing yourself of, of reverencing and, and really getting to know someone, which is a beautiful part of a relationship. Mm. Amen. Very well ironic. put. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's 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 ironic that that's the way that the evil one has has twisted our culture today. Because mm. the argument you hear is that oh, I need to I need to you know almost test drive the car before yes you know beforehand. We need to live together to figure out if we're compatible, and we need to have sex to figure out if we if we're truly attracted to each other. And you're like no, because it's so much more than that. 
Mm. You know, it's so much more than the physical. It's so much more than, you know, which one of you likes to do the dishes and which one of you doesn't. You know, it's like, it's something so much deeper than that. And you can actually grow in that deeper relationship without having those things as almost, in a way, distractions because of mm. the way that that uh, our bodies work. You know, we get so such a rush from those physical things that they can become distractions and mm. they can become ways that we uh, we turn to them when we should be turning to a more uh, a deeper connection with one another. Amen. Thank you guys so much for your thoughts on that. That was very well said and very well put. I think tying into that too. So one thing that comes to mind is we probably have a lot of listeners that have children, right? That have adolescents that are growing up and they're wondering, how do I have this conversation with my children without pushing them away and closing them off to like actually understanding what chastity is, but integrating Mm -hmm. chastity in its true light and its true beauty into their lives um, as they grow older, as they start to mature. So what are some tips that you would give to parents on how to have this conversation that is hard, that can be awkward with their children? Right. Yeah, I think one thing is just, like, being okay with, you know, sitting with the fact that it's not going to be a one-and-done conversation, just like some people paint the conversation of having the birds and the bees to be, like, a Mm one-and-done talk. It's a continual conversation, and just to have that openness with your child to be like, I know this is probably something you've heard about in school, and it's something I want to talk to you about. And even just being able to, if you don't feel equipped as a parent, to find those resources that Mm. there are, um, you know, very well done presentations or even camps that people have. Like, I know Brian Butler is a well-known theology of the body, um, Mm. Uh, pioneer, and he has a camp for young people um, to be able to know more about theology of the body, know more about mm. chastity, learn more about the beauty of sex and in confines of marriage and whatnot in a way that's adaptable to them as adolescents. And I'm sure my fiance can speak more to to how parents can approach uh, talking to their kids about this. Hmm. Yeah, I would say a uh, hard part is that I've heard from many parents that they don't want to bring it up. They don't want to be the one to introduce their kid to something that they haven't known before. But something that I always encouraged when we were in the culture project, we would give talks to parents just to share with them what we're sharing with the kids, how they can mm-hmm. follow up, you know, just to be tools in their tool belt. And I think um, something that we, that I always said to them was that, wouldn't you prefer you to be the one to share that with them and share with them that it's a healthy you know, in a healthy way, rather than have a friend show them something and they go months or years confused about that thing and thinking mm-hmm. about it in the way that their friend introduced it to them versus how you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's one of those things that, like, a parent never wants to, their kid to grow up, you know, and they never want to have to have, you know, almost adult conversations with their kid. But better for you to have that conversation mm-hmm. than for someone else to. Um, and so I think, you know, just, you know, be courageous. Obviously I don't have, uh, I don't have kids and I hope that I will be <laughs> courageous when I do, but just like be courageous and, and bring those conversations mm-hmm. up with the kids because it can be, it can be a, a life changer if that kid is, mm-hmm. you know, feels like they can talk to you about those things. Mm. 
Right. And ultimately, like, oh, I was just going to say, ultimately, at the end of the day, your child will be, like, probably saying, hey, I don't even want to talk about this, mom. This is too embarrassing. But really, like, fight through the awkwardness because at the end of the day, you don't want to be, like, myself or other adolescents who just wish and crave that their parents would talk to them about this Mm. because it's so important to hear from their parents versus young people who have it warped and, you know, in a in a distorted light than what it is. Mm. Amen. Sure. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing just your witness, Charles and Genesis. Like, um, it's such a light in this culture. So thank you. Um, any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? Um, I would say... I'm sorry, go ahead. I would say go to... Uh, Go to confession often. Mm. I think that's something that we um, that we sometimes. Uh, I would say, you know, we go during Lent or during Advent, you know, before the big, you know, Easter and Christmas. But you know, going on a regular basis, it really draws you in closer to the Lord, and it, you know, it honestly, it's so helpful. And you know, if you're in a relationship. Or you know, bringing your family to confession, uh, or bringing your your spouse or your significant other to confession with you, um, and having that accountability is really helpful. Mm. Mm. Amen. Absolutely, I agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks so much. And if you're listening, um, just say a prayer for Charles and Genesis as they continue their preparation for yeah. marriage. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Thank you so much, Charles and Genesis, Thank for joining you. us this morning. Of course. Thank you, guys. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Meg Sheehan, who is the student life coordinator here at Pius XII Newman Center. So we're looking forward to having Meg with us and to hear what she has to say about her experience with the faith and on campus here at South Dakota State University. So be sure to join us here in a little bit. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 